Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. As I mentioned at the start of the service, our new sermon series is called Against All Odds. As we'll take a look at how God gives us beautiful promises, blessings, and truths from the Bible that might not seem normal to the average person in our world today. Today we're going to look at how God prepares us to be ready for Jesus' return. The fact that all of you are here this morning probably means that you were not the winners of the Powerball drawing from last night, right? Actually, I did check this morning. Nobody won. So the drawing on Monday, you maybe know this, an all-time high for a Powerball lottery drawing, $1.9 billion. This blows my mind. But I didn't come to talk about the lottery. Just odds. What are the odds? If you think about playing the lottery, I think it's good to know the odds of winning. In the bottom right-hand corner, that's the odds of matching all five balls plus the Powerball. One in 292 million. Those are your chances of winning. Let's compare that to some other things that we might know the odds of, give or take a little bit. In the upper left-hand corner, your odds of hitting a deer as you're driving on the roads in Wisconsin, one in 57. I bet some of you out there can relate to that. You are probably one of those that did that in one, one in 57. How about getting a hole in one? One in 12,000. We had two hole in ones in the first service. Can we outdo it? How many people have ever had a hole in one? Raise your hand if you had a hole in one. Three. We have three in here. Wow. Nice. Okay. Yes, one in 12,000. Getting dealt a royal flush? One in 650,000. Being struck by lightning. Just think about this for a moment. Look at the one on the far right. Your odds of winning the Powerball jackpot versus your odds of getting struck by lightning. It's not even close. You're much more likely to get struck by lightning. There's a cheery thought for you to go home with, right? The one in the middle, you have a one in three million chance of seeing a UFO. And again, much greater chance of that than winning the Powerball lottery. Yeah, why do we do that? Why do we put odds on things? Well, we want to know the likelihood of something, right? So we put odds on things to give people an idea, well, this is how likely this is to happen versus something else. And so as we think about odds today, what are the odds that you and I were brought into the family of God and know that Jesus is coming back? You see, it's been 2,000 years, hasn't it? 2,000 years since Jesus left this earth and with every passing year, maybe it seems more and more likely that he's not coming back. And yet against those odds, you and I have confidence that we're prepared, that Jesus and his word have prepared us to be ready for his return. That's the truth we want to take from this section of scripture today. And we know what it's like to prepare, don't we? Um, even though the weather this past week was truly amazing and gorgeous, if you've ever lived in the Midwest for any length of time, you know the cold weather is coming. And maybe like me, the last week kind of numbed you or, or made you forget that the cold weather is coming because I'm still not sure where my boots are, where my gloves and my winter coat are. My car's not ready. I have no idea where my scraper is. I probably should find that one of these days. Maybe get some salt for the sidewalk, right? Get out my sweaters, long underwear, you know, things like that that you have to prepare for the cold. We know what it's like to prepare because we don't want to be left out in the cold. And now, if we're going to prepare for that, for winter, how much more is it necessary to prepare for the coming of our Savior Jesus? Jesus' parable 
is truly an encouragement for us today to know that we are ready for him, ready for Jesus' return. And we'll see it in two parts. First, we'll remind ourselves that we don't know when he's coming. We don't know the day, but we do know his word. We read it earlier, but I'd like to just touch on some of the verses again. Let's set up the parable that Jesus tells in these first few verses. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Jesus spoke this parable. He spoke these words on Tuesday of perhaps the most important week in the history of the world. Holy Week. That week where Jesus went to the cross and died for us on Friday, this was three days before on Tuesday where Jesus had a busy day of teaching. And one of the main topics that Jesus was teaching about was the topic of eschatology, end times. He was talking about things that were going to happen leading up to the end. In the Apostles' Creed, we confess this. We say that from there, from heaven, the ascended Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. It's actually a pretty convenient way to split up those two chapters in Matthew that Jesus talks about end times. Matthew 24 is all about the idea of Jesus coming again. And then Matthew 25 focuses far more on the judgment that's going to happen when Jesus comes. He's coming to judge. The beauty of our section of scripture today, chapter 25 verses 1 to 13, it's a bridge. It contains both. So to truly understand fully the parable that Jesus is telling, we might have to just for a moment review marriage customs in Jesus' day. It isn't like today, the way we do things today. No, in Jesus' day, what would happen is that a bride and a groom, a future bride and groom, would make a promise to one another. That yes, they were going to be husband and wife. They were going to make a promise to be together for the rest of their lives. That would be called a betrothal. And after the betrothal, the next step was for the groom to get everything ready to bring the bride to his home. Sometimes that was his own house away from his parents. Sometimes it was a room that was added on to his parents' house that would be his place to be with his wife. And then when everything was ready, the announcements would go out. People would come as the bridegroom picked up his bride and brought her home with him. That's what Jesus is picturing in our text for today. These ten virgins, maybe for our purposes today, we'll call them bridal attendants, wedding attendants, the bridal party. That's what they're like. They're waiting for the joyous day when the groom comes to be with his wife. And Jesus specifically categorizes the people who are involved in the story, doesn't he? With a very stark distinction. There's ten of them. Five are wise, he says, and five are foolish. It's an interesting root word in the Greek for the word foolish in the text. It's actually the word that we get our English word moron from. The idea is that they simply weren't using knowledge that they should have had. Maybe some of you know this, and I'm not trying to insult anybody who's a sophomore, but you might remember that that name, sophomore, is a name that actually comes from two Greek words that are opposites. Soph, sophos in Greek means wise or wisdom, and moros in Greek means foolish. So sophomores are wise fools, apparently, is what the name came from. 
But that's the word here. And, and it's because they were thoughtless. It's because they didn't plan ahead. They didn't think about what was going to happen. And they were caught unprepared. Not so with the wise. The wise attendants, they brought extra oil with them. They brought the oil that was necessary to make it however long it was going to take for the bridegroom to arrive. You see, they understood. Although they knew he was coming, the time of his arrival was uncertain. And so they prepared and planned ahead. It's a good time here just to review the point of Jesus in speaking this parable. Verse 13 covers it so well, the very last verse of the section. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Paul said the same thing in his letter to the Thessalonians. We don't know. We don't know when Jesus is coming, but we certainly know he is. All right, do you know right? When daylight savings time happens, that's the time you're supposed to change the batteries in your smoke detectors at home. You can consider that a public service announcement. I don't know if you did it or didn't do it, but that's what they say. And why? Well, smoke detectors have been around since 1965, but not, not really as common in people's homes until probably the last 40 years or so. But don't you wonder, like, how many countless lives smoke detectors have preserved, have saved? Because it gives a warning, doesn't it? As someone is in their home and a fire begins, the smoke detector will ring out a warning and the person has a chance to get out of their apartment, out of their home before any damage is done. There's just one little caveat about these things. They have to have working batteries. If your batteries are dead or there are no batteries in the smoke detector, it's not going to do you any Good. How foolish would it be for me to place all around my house smoke detectors to protect me from a fire and not put any batteries in them? That's what Jesus is saying, isn't it? We have to keep the oil in our lamps so that we're prepared for his return. We want to be ready for Jesus to come back. And, well, what does that entail? Jesus will help us with that. Listen to how he goes on in the parable. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they, will, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Hours passed. Apparently, the bridegroom was taking his time, making sure everything was ready. And as you can imagine, as the hours got later and later in the night, those who were waiting for him became drowsy. Their eyelids were heavy and they fell asleep. We see, don't we, Jesus' point in this too? Isn't this a temptation for us as God's people to get sleepy, to get complacent about whether Jesus is really coming back or not? It's been so long, 2,000 years, maybe it's a long time off. Maybe we have a long time to get things in order. Maybe it's a little bit like Jesus told in his parable of the sower and the seed that, that we are people that at times let the cares and the worries of this world become more important to us than preparation for Jesus' return. Or maybe it's a little bit like the church in Laodicea that Jesus wrote to who he called lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, that he wanted to spit them out of his mouth. Can we fall into that trap where we think, well, it's been so long, Maybe it's a long time coming yet before Jesus comes. And the longer it's been since Jesus has come, the more tempting it is to live as if he's not coming at all. Yeah, we can fall into those traps, can't we? But look at what happens in the parable. 
the bridegroom arrived. Yes, it wasn't expected. Midnight is the time that Jesus gives in the parable. The thief in the night, that picture that Paul used, right? Nobody was ready. They weren't expecting his return. But, but he came. And there were five of the wedding attendants who were prepared. They were ready for his return. They had brought the extra oil. They trimmed their lamps. And when the bridegroom arrived, they were ready to go into the banquet. That's not what happened with the others, was it? They were caught unprepared. They ran off to see if they could buy oil from someone else. And by the time they got back, it was too late. Jesus is coming. That's the point of the parable that Jesus is telling. He is coming. And so he asks today a question of you and me. Is your lamp full? Let's hold off answering that question just for a moment to demonstrate the importance first that Jesus gives to why we want our lamps to be full. He writes this, Later the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Can't underestimate or overestimate the importance, can we, of being prepared for Jesus? The five foolish attendants who went to buy the oil, they came back only to find that the door was closed to them. They were shut out of the wedding banquet. There's not one of us here this morning that wants that to happen to us. We don't want to be shut out from Christ's blessings for eternity. And so we have to ask that question and answer, how? How is it that we're ready? How is it that we are prepared for Jesus' return? And the answer is Jesus. The answer is the Savior who came to take our place. It's he who gives us faith that fills our lamps. And it comes from his word. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the Romans, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's the pages of the scriptures where we find Jesus, the word made flesh. It's on those pages of scripture where we read and hear and believe and know that he came to offer himself for us. That he never slept on the job that God gave him to do. That he was willing and ready and able to carry out that salvation by taking our sins on him all the way to a cross. And in his flesh, Jesus rose from the dead to guarantee the payment for sin was complete and that you stand ready, stand before God holy and blameless. Those are hard words to hear, aren't they? What we hear Jesus say in the parable, I don't know you. But because of our Savior's love for us, because of the faith that he has given us, you will never hear those words. God will never say to you, I don't know you because you are known to God, known by him. Jesus said it this way in the great Good Shepherd chapter of John chapter 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Your Savior knows you. He knows you as his very own. He knows you as someone who is ready for his return. And because of what Christ has done, you stand certain. Certain that no matter what happens in this life, you have a place with him in the mansions and joy of heaven. Listen to how Peter describes that in his second epistle. He wrote this, You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a picture. God is waiting to welcome you home. 
You are ready for his return and when Jesus comes again, the open arms of your heavenly father will welcome you to the eternal mansions that he has prepared for you. Some takeaways from the sermon today. Number one, we are ready for Jesus' return because we believe he is coming. The author of Hebrews wrote uh, that Christ who came the first time to bear the sins of many will come a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. Secondly, we are ready for Jesus because his word has given us faith. The psalmist said, God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. Finally, number three, we are ready for Jesus to come and take us home. We know our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know when the last time you played hide and seek is, but I'm going to guess that most of you, if you have never played, you at least know what that game is. You remember playing hide and seek when you were younger? You remember covering your face with your hands like that and counting? I know there's some of you out there, you know who you are, that probably peeked through your fingers to see if you could get a little hint of where someone was hiding. Right? And you counted maybe to 10, maybe to 20, however long you wanted to give people to hide and then... When you were done counting, what did you say? Ready or not, here I come, right? Isn't that what Jesus is saying in this parable? Ready or not, here I come. The joy that we have is that through Jesus, we know that he's coming. We know that even though the day and hour is unknown, we know he's returning and we know that through his word. And even better, through the faith that God has given us, the lamp that he has filled with the oil of his word in your life and mine, we are prepared for Jesus' return. And that preparation means he's going to usher us into the joy of an eternal life with him. That's something for us to eagerly look forward to. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.